It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Given what we saw at the border this week, have you failed in that promise? And this is happening under your watch. Do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding? Of course I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. Yeah. Well, I guess who we are is a nation that elected someone. Uh, talk about President Trump lying. They called him a, the liar in chief. Uh, really, no. I think the reason that President Trump was so powerful was because he actually told the truth. Really unvarnished and just called it like it was. That's why people, even if they didn't like him or like his style, they flocked to him. But Joe Biden is the consummate liar because he's talking about those Border Patrol agents using horses uh, uh, on the border between Texas. And uh, as we find out now, as this unfolds, we had Kamala Harris jump in on this, talking about how it you know, looks like slavery, Mayorkas, the same thing, uh, Maxine Waters, the same thing, and on and on and on they go. In fact, uh, Al Sharpton went to the border, and of course he wanted to weigh in. Because, you know, it's uh, he has to fight back because there's so much racism down there. But he wasn't met very well. Let's listen to Al Sharpton's comments and how the crowd responded. This is clip two. Reverend Freddie Haynes, the racism where it doesn't exist. Of the Why are you West trying Baptist to come Church? and provoke Jonathan violence? Rainbow Why are you here advocating for violence? Rainbow Why are you here advocating for violence? Del Rio is not a racist city. Del Rio is a loving, caring community. We don't want your racism in Texas. Get out of here. That's enough. It goes on and on and on, and they just get louder and louder. We don't want you. Excuse me. Del Rio is not a racist city. Uh, we don't want your racism here. How much money are you making? And so he finally had to stop uh, speaking, and that's what happened with Al Sharpton on the border down there. Uh, meanwhile, Biden has accused these agents. You know, he says they they will pay. They will pay for this. So they were relieved of their duties already, put into desk jobs, and now the uh, Border Patrol is not allowed to use horses on the river there and, and on, the, on the border, even though we anyone who's from that part of the world, and we're going to talk about that more with Congressman Matt Rosendale in just a second, uh, but I want you to hear a Border Patrol agent respond uh, and try to explain, you know, to President Biden and the others uh, who, as though they didn't know this, um, what, how you use horses on the border. This is clip one. Patrol units down here are going to be, play an integral part in the security response operating in uh, the riverine environment on horseback is a difficult situation and trying to maintain 
control of those horses so we do not get in a position where we injure a migrant. We are going to investigate the facts to ensure uh, that the situation is as we understand it to be. Yeah, well, yes, of course, they'll investigate the facts and what their facts, you know, their truth. They'll investigate their truth, that Border Patrol agents on horses were beating people. Of course, the inconvenient truth is that uh, the, the photographer who took those pictures that they're using to make that point said that was not what was happening. Uh, and it was like an AP reporter, and another reporter took uh, of another outlet that's not a conservative had video of it, and she's come out saying this is not my video shows this is not what was happening. But you know that doesn't matter. That does not matter. Not in the world in which we live. And so we'll talk about more about that with Congressman Matt Rosendale in just a few minutes. Uh, meanwhile, something many other things have happened on Friday. The House of Representatives uh, passed a bill. You know. Uh, codifying Roe versus Wade because they're afraid the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade based on the cases that are being brought up there. Uh, and so the House rushed to make sure that they passed their own. Nancy Pelosi was quite happy. This is what she said. Hello, everyone. Isn't this a... <clears throat> In some ways, this is a great day for the women and indeed all of the families of America. In another way, it's sad that it is so necessary because of actions of that Supreme Court supporting legislation that is shameful in every way to our country and what we are about. But many of us have waited a long time to be able to pass Roe v. Wade into the law of the land as it is it has guaranteed the constitutional right of women to choose, but now it, it will be the law of the land codified. This is so exciting, and it wouldn't have happened without the leadership of so many of our okay, members all right, all right. in so the House. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. We passed in the House a bill that will provide a way for us to kill our babies through all nine months, because that was, that's what Roe versus Wade and its companion case Doe versus Bolton did. We are. This is a great day. This is just a wonderful day. Uh, so uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene wasn't having it. She was watching them assemble for their press conference, and this is how she responded. Killing a baby up until birth is a lack of civility. It's called murder. Hey, how about the border down there? Lack of civility. How about lack of laws or protecting and upholding our constitution? Use respect is the basic thing you're taught in church. Respect your taught in church? Are you kidding me? Try being a Christian and supporting you life. Try being a Christian and try support life. Decently. Watch your step, lady. You're gonna fall down. Control yourself. All right, that was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I, you know, I know that uh, many people will not like her style. I was thinking about that. You know, she's she's bawdy, she's a brawler. Uh, I like her courage, and I find myself wondering, you know, why aren't more people angry? Why aren't more people angry? Why are we more concerned with looking nice and you know maintaining our um, composure than we are of just calling people out? I think many people would have, uh, many Christians would have really had a problem with what John the Baptist did when he called out Herod for taking his brother's wife. I think that would have been a problem because he called out loudly. He embarrassed Herod. It was very uncivil. He was angry about the the um, immorality that was taking place 
uh, with the, the Jewish king. And uh, he, he was angry, and he let it be, so, be heard. I have a lot of anger, and I, when I was in D.C., I got myself in trouble a lot uh, because I spoke out. Uh, because I just felt this righteous, this lightning bolt of anger through me at, at, at so many different things. And one of them at the time that I was there was the whole issue of gay marriage. And uh, I never, never will forget, now this is after I left D.C. that first time, um, uh, Dick Cheney, who was the vice president at the time, uh, came out in support of gay marriage. And it was shocking because no one was really, we were not that close to adopting gay marriage. We were in the battle. And uh, his words uh, in a televised inter- interview was a, like a knife to, the, to our effort. It really was. And he did that because his daughter was gay. And, of course, when you have a gay child, then you can't, uh, according to you know the rules now, uh, if you really love that child, you must embrace what that child embraces. And his daughter married someone, and so you know he loved his daughter, so he had to say that gay marriage was okay. That's, that was righteous and virtuous to him. To me, it was a... He he damned his child by ceasing to speak the truth to her. Uh, we, do, we don't love our kids by telling them what they want to hear. Nevertheless, that's what Dick Cheney did. It was very disappointing to me. And now Liz Cheney has weighed in on this. Liz, uh, at the time, departed from her family. And uh, I remember, I've told you this before, this is a personal recollection, Liz and her mother uh, were uh, in some some affiliated way with CWA. They came on one of our cruises. They were very strong Christian conservatives, and so it makes me very sad to play this next clip, but this was Liz Cheney yesterday talking about gay marriage. Your sister's gay, she's married, she has children, and in 2013, you came out against same-sex marriage while your father went the other way. And it was looked upon as courageous when he did that. How do you defend what you did? I was wrong. Um, I was wrong. Uh, I love my sister very much. Uh, I uh, yeah, love uh, her family very much, uh, and uh, and and I was wrong. It's a it's a very personal issue, uh, and very personal for my family. I uh, believe that my dad was right, and my sister and I have had that conversation. Wow, I was not expecting that. You know, this this is an issue that. Um, we have to recognize, uh, you know, as, as human beings, that we need to work against discrimination uh, of all kinds uh, in our country, in our state. We were at, at an event a few nights ago, and, and uh, there was a young uh, woman who said she doesn't feel safe uh, sometimes uh, because she's transgender, and nobody should feel unsafe. Freedom means freedom for everybody. All right, Liz Cheney. So let me just use this as a teaching moment. And that that explains a lot about Liz. She's gone off the rails deeply, which has caused her to go off the rails in political considerations because she is actually denying uh, God's truth. And she's equating uh, declaring God's truth as some sort of unkindness or bigotry or uh, isolation of people who embrace immorality. And I just want to say, and you might want to write this down, morality is not bigotry. Morality is not bigotry. And uh, so it's just sad. It explains a lot to me about Liz. She is denying God's word on this because out of love for her sister. And I, I would say one more time in a different way, if she really loved her sister, 
she would not embrace her sister's immorality. You can love your children and your spouses and your family members and your cousin and your neighbor. You can love them without accepting immorality. It does not require that compromise in you. Now, I know that the left, the homosexual activist left, gay, lesbian, transgender, bi, whatever, uh, they, they're not happy with that. They, they will say, no, 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 you have, to, you have to agree, you have to embrace, you have to celebrate with us, otherwise, you know, you hate. Uh, but that's a lie, and you don't have to buy into that lie. And Liz is bought into it. So that's why she's bought into a lot of other lies. And it's uh, sad for me. All right, a couple of other uh, uh, issues here. Uh, there are workers who are leaving different areas, like the medical field. There is a Michigan hospital. It's uh, Henry Ford system that they're announcing that they're cutting 120 beds uh, from five of its eight hospitals because people are, not, are quitting. You know, there's a mandate that's gone into effect, and medical personnel are having a great deal of trouble with this. I would commend to you that undercover video by James O'Keefe. Adam, I don't know if we put that on our Facebook page, but let's do, uh, where he's talking to um, um, oh HHS employee. Uh, she's a nurse, uh, and she has come out as a whistleblower. It was amazing. We played the clip last week, and she's talking about the number of people that are being harmed by the vaccines. And the last straw for her was a, uh, a co-worker who did not want to have the vaccine. She was forced to do it, and she died. Um, and so um, she was very tearful when she delivered that. But that, I think, you know, healthcare workers are seeing a lot of things that other people are not seeing. And they're seeing this undercover video by James is really amazing because they're talking about how they're not reporting these things to virus and um, how twisted everything has become. They get a lot of undercover conversations between doctors and nurses. And I think you'll find it interesting. And in New York City, 3,000 teachers have asked for vaccination exemptions. 3,000. And meanwhile, the teachers now are uh, being encouraged to take photos of students to document their violations, whether it's masks or distancing. And so, um, and by the way, the Biden administration has now uh, opposed a move to give honorable discharge to troops who refuse the COVID-19 vaccine. That's a real stand-up administration, isn't it? Yeah, and it doesn't matter how much service you've given or how faithfully you've you've served overseas in battle. Uh, no, you, he doesn't. He doesn't want you to have an honorable discharge. If you refuse the vaccine. This is bizarre, and it's wicked. And we'll come back to that conversation. But right now, we have to take a chance. Change. We're gonna take a change. We're gonna change the subject. We're gonna talk to about Arizona. What happened in Arizona over the weekend? We'll talk about it. Sandy Rios in the morning. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ethan Handelman, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Multifamily at the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development. His office is responsible for the overall management, development, direction, and administration of HUD's multifamily housing programs. Luke 10.5 reminds us of the blessings of home. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask you to guide Ethan Handelman in his role at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. Grace Smith was 16 years old when World War II broke out. She was a teenage bride at the time, and when her husband was called to the front lines, she dropped out of school. Life came at Grace fast and furious, and finishing her high school education became a fleeting thought. She eventually became a bus driver for the Madison County School System in Alabama, driving kids to and from for 30 years. Her family said Grace was never one to look back on the past never mentioned any regrets except for one. Grace wanted to finish her high school education. And so it was that 79 years later, Grace Smith received her diploma at Hazel Green High School wearing a scarlet cap and gown. Grace was surrounded by all of her family, including 26 great-grandchildren. In her commencement address, Grace summed up the day by pointing out that it's always better late than never. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. A Republican commissioned review of the nearly 2.1 million ballots cast last year in Arizona has confirmed the accuracy of the official results and President Joe Biden's win in Maricopa County. The draft report from Cyber Ninjas confirms the county's canvas of the 2020 general election was accurate, and the candidates certified the winners did in fact win. Maricopa County tweeted last night. Cyber Ninjas is the Florida-based cybersecurity company leading an effort by Republicans to audit the 2020 presidential election in Arizona. In a statement, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Chairman Jack Sellers said in part, this means the tabulation equipment counted the ballots as they were designed to do, and the results reflect the will of the voters. That should be the end of the story. Everything else is just noise. Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC. And if you didn't hear Mika say that, then you heard some other outlet uh, brag about how 
Actually, Biden picked up votes in these stupid people who did that audit. Oh, this is so funny. And uh, that's uh, it was like a fire. It went through all of the media. It was um, actually NPR that leaked uh, a what they called uh, a draft of the final uh, document that was going to be presented on Friday. So if you heard surface reports, and many of you did, because even conservative outlets were, my inbox was filling up with all of them stating, you know, the same thing, that Biden actually got more votes and kind of ha, ha, ha on these people that wanted the recount. Well, we want to know what the story is, don't we? We want to know what's true and what isn't. And I've asked Jake Hoffman, uh, who is a state representative in Arizona and a friend, uh, to join us this morning to try to help us to understand what happened. Jake, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on again, Sandy. All right. So I guess the the question is um, what MSNBC reported and what all the other outlets did was that the bottom line is Joe Biden increased his vote count uh, case over, story over. This has been expensive and foolish. Is that the conclusion of the, of the uh, endeavor that Joe Biden actually won by more margin, and that's the bottom line? Well, Sandy, that's not the conclusion. And what we're finding is that the media is in spin mode right now. The left is in spin mode right now because they don't like what the outcome was. And so they're trying to do everything they can to obfuscate and to muddy and to confuse the issue as a deterrent and a way to scare off other states from conducting an audit themselves. Look, the bottom line here is that whether or not uh, the American people wanted it to be or not election integrity. And what I mean by that is the ability for the citizens to have confidence not only in the outcome and the process of our election has become the civil rights issue of our day. This isn't a Republican issue. This is an issue that helps Republicans, Democrats, uh, independents, libertarians, anyone, uh, any voter in this country, election integrity serves your best interest. And so what we found in this audit is that the same government that sucks at running things like the USPS or the VA or the DMV or that can't address homelessness or that forced people into masks and lockdowns, even when the science told them not to, is not miraculously the embodiment of efficiency and effectiveness when it comes to running elections. And here's the thing. They're trying to spin this to say that Biden was lock, stock and barrel. He won the election. Here's what we actually found. There were questionable votes, so highly questionable and concerning votes, totaling nearly 57,000. That equals four to five times the vote margin of victory. That everyone needs to, that's the number one takeaway, is that there are questionable votes here that equal four to five times the margin of victory. You know, Jake, I want us to talk about the particulars of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that is the headline. That should be the headline, but it, it wasn't the headline. So, of course, you and I both know, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but people need to, to know that the, ta- the tactic that the left uses is that they try to get out ahead of a story. If they know something bad is coming out, they jump ahead of it and try to uh, phrase it in their own words and label it, and then that's all people ever hear. And that they do a great job of that, and that's probably what's going to ha- uh, that's going to happen with this unless we correct it. Uh, loudly and fiercely and often, uh, because they were, uh, they've convinced people that the audit came to nothing. But that's not true. So that's the point we it's want not. you to hear. You know, I have in my head, just to buy, as an example, Jake, there's a long article I read uh, from the Associated Press about what happened. And, of course, it's, 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 uh, it states what the finding was of the report, then it refutes it. States it, then refutes it. 
using Maricopa County, who is really the enemy in this of this audit, who did not cooperate and tried to destroy all of you that were involved in that. And then I have in my hand uh, the Epoch, Epoch Times report, which, of course, is, um, well, would be, from our point of view, I think they're more fair, but, of course, uh, people would argue with me. But I think I would recommend the Epoch Times uh, article on this. But let's. there's one thing that really jumped out at me, and I know I'm jumping ahead with all these other details, but I saw part of the hearing on Friday, and as I understand it, you... The, the guys that were working on this, the experts, were actually able to identify people that were deleting files before the information was handed over and this recount began. But they said they would not, uh, you know, give the names. Now, what was that all about, Jake? That sounded really uh, ominous to me. It is. The good news there is that they were able, to, the cybersecurity expert that the Senate hired was able to reconstruct the data. Um, and so they were able to look at that. However, that wasn't the only thing. You mentioned Maricopa County is really the enemy in this narrative, and that's true. I mean, the, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, which is uh, four-to-one Republican-controlled, has obstructed uh, the process from day one. And so the legislature cannot allow that to happen moving forward. But what I will tell you they did find is massive issues uh, just blatant violations of state law in the handling of duplicate ballots. Now, I think those are important to talk about because let me run you through some numbers, Sandy. Yes. So mail-in ballots voted from prior address. So this was rated in the severity level of critical. There were 23,344 ballots impacted by that. And those are some of those highly questionable ballots that I was talking about. You have potential voters that voted in multiple counties, 10,342. More ballots were returned by the voter than were received by the voter, 9,041. Official results that do not match who voted, 3,432. More duplicates than original ballots, 2,592. I could go on. The list continues. I mean, I've got 20 categories here of issues where we had serious breakdowns in the process. Now, whether that's bureaucratic incompetence or malfeasance, right? That still needs to be determined, and that's something that the, the attorney general or the county attorney should be investigating. But the reality is that the Maricopa County uh, Recorder's Office, which was ran by a radical leftist, an actual Marxist, uh, did, uh, did not faithfully execute the laws of this state when it comes to the handling of duplicate ballots uh, and many other areas, including signature matching on the 95% of votes that came in as an early ballot. They have a minimum signature matching requirement. Let's call it, just for the sake of a conversation, let's call it 25 points of matching. So they have to take the signature and compare it year over year, and they have to find 25 points that match, right? The recorder, Adrian Fontes, reduced that requirement to zero to, quote-unquote, expedite the processing of early ballots. Well, when your signature is the only form of verification that the ballot was voted by the correct person, reducing that to zero seems like a massive potential for fraud and seems like a massive uh, uh, area of malfeasance within the county recorder's office. Uh, so, so, Jake, let me see if I can understand this. Uh, the count that uh, was being reported by you know NPR gleefully and MSNBC and all the other outlets, uh, the fact that Joe Biden picked up 99 votes, something like that, 
that actually, it was paper ballot. That was the actual count of the ballots that came in. But your point is that those ballots may or may not have been legitimate ballots. Is that right? Simply put? That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yes, yeah, simply put, there are very, very many highly concerning ballots that should be thoroughly, uh, more thoroughly reviewed and, uh, and need to be investigated in terms of the process that was used by the county. Yeah, so 57,000 is the number. So the headline should be that 57,000 votes uh, were, they, they were questionable. Uh, they they yeah. need to be investigated. So I know that Karen Fan, the senator who's been running this endeavor, did uh, give the re- – or she suggested to the attorney general that there be an investigation, right? And he's going to do that, correct? Well, you know, I think he should. The reality is that he's running for the United States Senate right now. His name is uh, Mark Burnovich. And I think that what will be the tell is how much pressure he gets from the people of Arizona. Obviously, you know, and it's the unfortunate nature of politics, but politicians tend to do what uh, what the electorate wants, especially in an election year. And that means that we need people to speak up and contact his office and say, look, do your job. The legislature gave him a election integrity unit designed to investigate fraud and questionable practices and procedures within uh, the execution of our elections. This wasn't done in response to 2020, Sandy. I think that's really important to note because oftentimes the left attacks what we're doing in states like Florida, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, right? And they attack it and they say, oh, this is all just a big lie. This is all a conspiracy theory about 2020. No, Arizona's been doing election integrity for years. And the election integrity unit was set up many years ago and funded. It has full-time staff and attorneys to look into this stuff. I believe that Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich should be pursuing an investigation and using those resources that we've made available to him for it. You know, um, I was just looking at the uh, the blowback for for you guys in Arizona. Like your your governor, he says, when it comes to the audit, like the three audits that preceded it, it's now over. The outcome stands in the 2020 election in Arizona is over, and um, there will be no decertification. Of course, no one's asking. No one asked for that. Uh, it was just you wanted to, f- to find out what happened in that election. And also, then Kelly Ward, who's the chairman of the Republican Party, there demanding. The Board of Supervisors of Maricopa County is uh, demanding that she step down, slamming her for promoting election lies and more debunked claims. Uh, and um, let's see. Yeah, so Doug Ducey joins in on this, too. So they're trying to go after Kelly Ward. They're saying they, the, the Republican Party has lost ground uh, because of her leadership. How would you defend her on that, or would you? No, I would, absolutely. I think that Kelly has done a great job as the head of our party in the state of Arizona. Uh, She's done a great job leading the effort to ensure that there's election integrity and that voters can have confidence in the process. But look, Sandy, you know, a friend of both of ours, Dan Bongino, has a saying that he says often that most Republicans are Democrats and no Democrats are Republicans. Right. And I think that's what you're (laughs) seeing here is Maricopa County. You've got a lot of Republicans. They're Republicans because uh, their district, their supervisorial district uh, is a Republican district. You've got a lot of people who don't want to do the hard job that is representing the people of our state or of our county, uh, and that's a shame. And quite frankly, with with Governor Ducey, look, he's you know faced a lot of challenges throughout his his uh, governorship, his time in the governor's office. He's had some successes and he's had some failures, um, but the reality is, right now, he's on his way out. He's got one year left, and he's 
you know, likely positioning for his next job in the private sector. And so my guess is he's prioritizing non-controversy over uh, doing the hard work that needs to be done. See, and another another response to me that speaks volumes about what that report actually said is that rather than states running from the Arizona effort, states are running, they're energized to do more. In fact, there's a, I'm not going to stop and pay, play it, but a, a Virginia state senator was there observing, and they're going to be doing, pushing for audits in a Virginia. Uh, Texas is doing the same as a result of what happened in Arizona. And, te- you know, president, if it's got to be about President Trump, he won Texas. But they're going to try to figure out what happened to their vote also. And several states across the country are have been inspired by what you guys did in Arizona. And I think that speaks... Look, if they thought there was nothing to it, these states would not rush to try to push for the the expense and the trouble and also the the potential blowback that's going to happen as a result of trying this. So I think that kind of speaks to your success out there. What do you think is next for Arizona, Jake? You you want the uh, attorney general to investigate. I think I read that he said he's going to, by the way, but I don't remember where it was. Uh, But uh, so what is next? What's the next fight for you guys out there? Yeah. So, Sandy, I'll, I'll hit that one, but I also want to hit on this audit issue with, with the other states. Look, yeah. why shouldn't audits be conducted every single election cycle? Imagine that every corporation, every publicly traded corporation in America gets audited every single year. There are two areas of government where the government interacts with the largest number of, of citizens. That's the collection of taxes and elections. Elections are a foundational element of our republic and must be protected. And auditing the votes seems like something all 50 states, Republican and Democrat, should be doing every single election cycle, in my opinion. So uh, that said, what's next for Arizona? Well, we certainly took a lot away. Cybersecurity needs to be improved. Uh, The handling of duplicate ballots needs to be approved, um, improved. Uh, We need to come in and prescribe more clear procedures. And quite honestly, the Constitution gives uh, the legislature, not the county recorders, not the county supervisors, not the secretary of state, the authority and power over elections. Um, the founders were, were incredibly smart when they did this because the legislature is supposed to the people. And so yeah. we have to come back in January and reclaim that power. We have to reclaim that constitutional authority and, and take it back from yeah. some of these offices and bureaucrats that we've, that we've sent it to. That's why me and lots of people in Arizona are very glad that you hold a position you do as a state representative there. So go forth. Don't lose your don't lose your steam because you've already done so much to help the people of Arizona. And we look forward to seeing what's going to happen now in the future. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Are you really worshiping God? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. So you can come to church and you can dress up nice and you can sing all the songs and you can stand up and you can clap and you can say praise the Lord. And people around you can say, oh, look how they love God next to me. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Learn how to fall in love with God and find real worship. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. You've got Christians who love Jesus and they have kids and they're just like, I just don't know what my calling is. Right. Will and Mickey Addison. What is it that Jesus wants me to do? I feel Man. like I'm a teacher. And that's I feel wh- like that's I'm a why, <laughs> That's why when you go to the scripture and talk about yeah. equipping the saints for work of ministry, Come on. you should look inside first. It can exactly. be right, you know, at your address. 
Marriage, family, and the church. That's the focus of airing the Addisons. Weekday afternoons at 2 Central on American Family Radio. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stopped. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Often when the concept of intercession is raised, we normally think about prayer, and we should. Prayer is one form of intercession. Here we see another, living intercession. At the climax of a plague, Aaron runs into the fray, armed with incense, and where he stands, the plague stops. Aaron literally stands between the living and the dead. May God move us to be living intercessors for our day, and where we take our stand in Christ, the plague stops. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, preborn clinics are there. I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child, and he had made me choose him or the baby. This mother chose life after meeting with preborn counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound. I just felt so blessed and the hand of God on me so strong. And I knew then on I was going to serve God and I was going to keep this child and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally. Preborn centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus. He was our little miracle child. God's timing was impeccable. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Joe Biden's done it again. He's engineered another strategic defeat for the United States to the resounding benefit of the Chinese Communist Party. Coming on the heels of his disastrous and humiliating surrender of Afghanistan, of which Communist China was the most important beneficiary, the Biden Justice Department's collapse on the extradition of Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou from Canada will further embolden our enemies and endanger our people. For starters, Team Biden threw away an unprecedented opportunity to expose the threat posed to our country and the world by the CCP's giant telecommunications Trojan horse. It is also confirmed that hostage-taking by Beijing, in the main case, two Canadian citizens, will be rewarded, putting every American in China at risk. Presumably, Xi Jinping demanded this capitulation on his recent 90-minute call with Mr. Biden. The question occurs, what's next? This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, despite Biden's best efforts to deal real, still the Queen City of the real Grandy. Uh, deal real, still shaking. Uh, Where he's shook us to the core. He's hurt us economically, uh, and it just doesn't seem to matter. It looks like, I mean, it looks like the guy's gone mad to do a community in, in our country the way he has done us down here. Uh, the residents are in love with our Border Patrol, DPS. We thank our Governor Abbott, our Congressman Tony Gonzalez, and Senator Cruz for getting on board and helping us with this effort. Uh, he kind of, you know, he kind of picked on the weak spot of the border 
and I guess that's us, and and uh, we expect more to come. But this guy's not through with us. He's not through with this country. Number one, they shut the bridge down, and that bridge is the largest source of income for Dill Real. It, it might be even larger than our Advalorum taxes, and we're seeing people all over town. Uh, they're lost. Uh, uh, the facility right behind my shoulder is Customs. Uh, that's no longer needed. Uh, the border's been opened, and and that's when you come back from Mexico, you go through Customs to approve your, you know, show your passport and declare your goods and things like that. Our interstate commerce has been, our, our commerce between here and our sister city in Acuna has been shut down. Uh, people are really hurting. Our, our businesses are hurting, economics. But what we see here is, is people all over town. Uh, the Haitians, I'm saying, in our grocery stores, and they haven't been tested. COVID, COVID is rampant, uh, uh, it's, and it doesn't affect the United States of America. Right. It's affecting Mexico also. They're they're still over in Acuna. I see that Acuna. That's our sister city right across the river. Right. It's it's quite a bit bigger than Del Rio, but they're over there, and and, and uh, uh, I'm hoping that the Mexican government will start doing something with them and and turning them back like uh, President Trump yeah. had them going. That was Lee Weathersby. He's a resident of Del Rio. He and his wife spoke uh, on Fox News. And um, just as he's talking, I'm just thinking to myself, that's an example of, uh, you know, flyover country. Poor, dumb people who live in middle America. Yeah, so not so dumb, really. You should hear his wife. I, if I had time, I'd play her comments on it. She's a, I think she sounds like she's from Eastern Europe. She has some very strong opinions about it. A little, kind of a smart person, amazingly, that she lives in flyover country. But uh, Del Rio is like 35,000 population, something like that. And 30,000 Haitians uh, have come into that community. Now they've been, uh, you know, disappeared by the administration. Uh, Mayorkas was claiming on Fox with Chris Wallace that, you know, they've, oh, they're doing everything by the book and they're tracking everyone and uh, nothing to see here, not to worry. Uh, but we know that thousands have been uh, assimilated into, assimilated, that's the wrong word. Thousands have been shipped and dropped off into communities near you. And that uh, I think that was a good example of what we can uh, imagine for our own communities if this is not stopped. Well, Matt Rosendale has been in Congress for uh, not that long, actually. He's from Montana. Uh, and I met him recently, and we had a, a lovely chat. And uh, he is from Montana, which you'd think, what does he care about what's happening on the border of Texas? But I think that he does care. Congressman Rosendale joins us this morning. Good morning, Congressman Rosendale. Thank you so much for having me on, Sandy. All right. So you are you are a rancher, are you not? I mean, isn't that your that's your deal? You are a rancher well, from Montana. I, I I made my career actually in real estate development, brokerage, and management, and then moved out to the quiet life of Montana about twenty years ago, okay. and ran my ranch for about eight years before uh, folks decided that I was hiding a lot of skills that could be better utilized. And, and that's when they recruited me to get into public service. I, I began that trail um, about 10 years ago, went into the legislature. And now I find myself serving the entire state of Montana as our sole congressman. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, there's a lot to be said about what's happening in Congress, but let me ask you first, before we jump into other things, uh, seriously, you are in Montana. That's a long way away. How does what's happening at the Texas border affect Montana? It affects us dramatically. We have 
seven reservations, Indian reservations, located around the state, and the cartels and these devious individuals have um, identified that that is a good landing place for them to utilize because the collaboration of law enforcement and the federal agencies is so bad that they've been able to, to set up um, meth distribution facilities. They've been able to use them as, as places where they can take care of this human trafficking. So we've got a direct highway, Highway 15, the interstate that comes up, gets uh, these, these criminals into our state. And it's the, again, it's the landing base from there. So then we see this distribution spreading out, not only around the state of Montana, but to the other areas in the, in the region, Idaho and the Dakotas and Wyoming. Uh, you know, it's just a landing pad for them, if you will. And then what well, we're really, it's just so bewildering. It's like we're in bizarro land, Sandy. It's at the yeah. exact same time that the administration has basically opened up and eliminated any barriers on the southern border whatsoever, as you just heard uh, Mr. Withersby talking about. I mean, it's just an open border. At the same time, on, the, on our northern border, which we share hundreds and hundreds of miles with Canada, uh, we're not allowed to have that, that same interaction. And we literally have families that have been split because they have part of the family on one side of the border and part of the family on the other side of the border, and they haven't been able to celebrate weddings and births and mourn funerals and to even have that trade with some of the small, small towns up along the, that northern tier. So it's they're shutting down this this interaction on the north. Meanwhile, they just have thrown open the, uh, the border and erased it, if you will, just like a pencil on a piece of paper, just erased it. Uh, to the south, and it's causing major problems. They talk about 17,000 patients, 12,000. I, I saw my orchestra's reports this week, and it's disgraceful the way that he can't account, doesn't want to. Let's, let's get clear. He doesn't want to account for the amount of people that have been released into our country, but that's a small number. The real number is the 1.3 million folks that have already uh, been released into the country. That is larger than the population of the entire state of Montana. They have released more people into our country this year alone than what my entire state contains. That should begin to scare the bejeebies out of people. You know, Congressman, I uh, I talk about this a lot, and I've been talking about it for years since Ted Kennedy and uh, Bill Clinton were, you know, pulling people. I'm from Chicago, and they, you know, pulled like twenty six thousand, as I recall, or thousands into Soldier Field and quickly swore them into citizenship before an election. And they were people from, you know, third world countries. That's when it started. It was Ted Kennedy. And I've tried to tell people that this is intentional. They've heard that from other people too. But it was very interesting because we, uh, someone unearthed a clip of Joe Biden who was speaking back in uh, uh, 2015. And I just, out of the horse's mouth, this is how they feel about immigration. Let's listen to clip 14. An unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent, for the first time in 2017, will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. 
absolute minority, fewer than 50% of the people in America, from then and on, will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. That's the source of our strength. <laughs> well, I, that's, another, that's an issue for another day. But I, I think that anybody that thinks that Joe Biden is just a little confused and getting old and doesn't know what he's doing, uh, you need to know. This is exactly, he's all in for this, and uh, he knows what he's doing. They're doing it on purpose. Sure. So They are doing it on purpose. Sandy, my orchestra came out many months, six months ago, and said, we have a plan, we have a plan. And I was on media um, at that time saying, he does have a plan, and his plan is working. His plan is to open this border up and to make sure that as many people can be forced in you know, as possible, actually come in. His plan is is effective right now. It's being successful. That is what his plan was. On the northern border, that's a sh- the shutdown as a result of COVID, right? Or is it for other reasons also? No, it's COVID. They blame, well, everything gets blamed on COVID nowadays if it's bad news. But yeah, that's because of COVID. And they want to make sure that those folks that are, you know, potentially carriers of, of COVID or the Delta variant, that, you know, that they're not coming back and forth. Meanwhile, it's, it's this contradiction of reality. Meanwhile, we see on the southern border that all comers, we don't have to test, we don't have to vaccinate, we don't have to do anything whatsoever, we don't have to isolate, quarantine, bring them in, oh, and then release them into our country. And you wonder why we all of a sudden are starting to have a spike in different areas? I think it's pretty easy to trace back why. They, they even actually, uh, I could, if we had the time, I'd play that clip too. But uh, you know that Jen Psaki was asked about that by Peter Ducey, and she said, "No, they're not. They're not allowed. They're not being vaccinated." Next question. You know, they're they're very blatant about it. It's right. a, it, the boldness. You know, I was watching Mayorkas yesterday with Chris Wallace, and uh, just body language. His head is held high. It's like a. I mean, literally, his chin is lifted. He is so proud and so. Uh, cocky, and that's the way I see all of the what I feel is just oh, I don't know what adjectives to use the incredibly wicked, really, policies that they are imposing on the American people. This new this new set of rulers over us. So, Congressman, you're in Congress. I recognize it's kind of a dreadful time to be there, but how can the American people overcome this? swift overtaking of their country by people like Mayorkas and Joe Biden and Jen Psaki and fill in the blanks with the rest of them. What, what can we do? We, we, we are starting to see people finally um, recognize that, that the government has been taking more of their liberties away. Now, these are things that I've been preaching, and as you say, that you've been preaching, I've been talking about these things for 40 years, and they've been nibbling away and nibbling away and nibbling away, and now... They have everybody pretty much close to where they want them. They see that the nation is about split 50-50 on, a, um, on who wants to have the government control, support, dominate their lives as those that are part of many, many of what I call the leave us alone coalitions. Just leave us alone. Leave us alone. Let me educate my children the way I want. Uh, leave us alone and let me... Um, utilize firearms in the fashion with which the Constitution protects me, that I can do that. Leave us alone in my practice of religion so that you're not coming in and telling us where and when 
and how we can practice our faith. And so we are on those dividing lines. And fortunately, there are a few of the people that are in the middle that it, it sort of snuck up on. They really were not paying attention. And they are standing up now, whether it's at school boards or whether it is at their uh, occupation, and they're saying, oh, enough of this. We didn't realize this is what was going on. And so you're just seeing people that are, are pulling their children out of school. You're seeing people that are saying, if this is what it requires for me to stay employed with you, I will leave this job. And, and so the government controls and the mandates have, have gone to the uh, extent now that people are finally standing up and saying, this is enough. But it all goes back to the thing that we hear year after year after year, and that is elections have consequences, and they do have consequences. And now we're seeing the consequences of those elections, and people must get engaged. They must get involved. I had a uh, superintendent of a school system that called me up about a week ago and was asking me to, to engage and, and interfere in those local school board uh, situations. And I said, listen, I can't do that. I don't have the authority to get involved in that. But I will tell you, instead of making these phone calls and focusing on your congressman and your attorney general and your, your uh, U.S. senator, call 12 parents and have those 12 parents call 12 parents. Because I will tell you, if you show up with 100 parents that are upset about something, at the school board meeting, you will make change. Yes. yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. And Congressman, I know that it's encouraging to those of you serving in Congress, which is a lonely post right now. Uh, it encourages you to see the people standing up. So that that's what we have to do. I'm in total agreement. Congressman Matt Rosendale from Montana. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again, Congressman. And thanks for your input this morning on the show. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.